This is Rugger Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff from Goff Rugby Report going solo this week because I've got a lot of other audio to bring in and a lot of stuff to talk about uh, that I'm just going to hit it on my own. Uh, basically, we're, we're coming out of one of the biggest uh, sets of fixtures in North American rugby, the USA 7s in Las Vegas, which um, reported more than 80,000 fans over the three days. Um, I, I, I think, you know, uh, we'll talk about that. And then uh, following that was the Canada Sevens in Vancouver, which is just a two-day event, and they reported over 60,000 fans. Pretty phenomenal uh, performance uh, on, on both ends. Now, you know that the... Um, I should, I, I guess I should start by telling you that uh, Rugger Matrix America is brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. I should say that, shouldn't I? Um, I do want to talk about those uh, events because I think they're big for American rugby. And the the, the deal that goes down really is, uh, you know, we talk about attendance. Attendance is huge. We talk about TV coverage. TV coverage is huge as well. The USA 7s... Uh, started in 2004 and the the total attendance there was less than 15,000 for two days and in fact it creeped up a little bit it went down one year um and uh really didn't catch hold and that was in uh in carson california los angeles area what is now the StubHub center uh they moved to petco park and the the, the attendance went up a little bit more uh, it was a really nice tournament in Petco Park. Uh, I, I thought it was a great venue, and a lot of people really liked it. People from all over the world liked it, but there were some issues with that location. Um, one of them being Petco Park was very expensive for uh, the USA Sevens company, uh, now called United World Sports. They had bought the tournament from USA Rugby, uh, but it was very expensive to stage the games at Petco. The other thing is that while... Uh, Petco Park is in the middle of a restaurant and bar and hotel district in San Diego. Uh, it's a very expensive restaurant and bar and hotel district in San Diego. So it's real tough to just sort of wander out and just go somewhere uh, easily. Uh, so we'll, we'll sort of address that a little bit. So they, they moved to Vegas. Vegas, uh, Sam Boyd Stadium. I don't think anybody will uh, disagree with me when I say that the venue itself is not terrific. Um, the venue itself is not terrific for a number of reasons. There's not a lot of shade. There's not a lot of places to go if you're not watching the game. Uh, the venue is about 30 minutes away from the Las Vegas Strip, maybe 25 if you're lucky with traffic. Um, and the surface, the playing surface, that's always been an issue. Uh, grass surface until this year, but the, the field was always narrow. Players sort of were very diplomatic about it, but they, they generally didn't love it. Um, uh, some some teams loved it less than others, um, but it is Las Vegas. Really fun place to go. Uh, Las Vegas area itself is a place where you can pretty much find whatever you want to do. If you uh, whatever your inclination is to the kind of fun things you want to do, Vegas would be the place to go. Um, and uh, if you go and you feel like you're spending too much money on uh, on food. Let me know because I know of a lot of good, cheap places to eat in Vegas. Um, having said that, a couple of issues with the, the USA 7's uh, Las Vegas 
thing. One of them is that you kind of have to take their attendance figures with a grain of salt. Um, there have been some mistakes made that they kind of tried to deal with over time in terms of reporting their attendance. Um, their attendance does not – it includes everybody. It, it's not just ticket sales. Um, so you can't look at the you know, if they say eighty thousand, you can't look at that and say they sold eighty thousand tickets, and you know, do a little bit of figuring, and say fifty dollars per ticket, hmm, and that's four million dollars. Now you can't do it that way because you, you're not going to come up with a number that's even remotely accurate. Um, the you, you do have to remember though that that if you go and buy a ticket for all three days, and you go all three days, that that you count as three people. Uh, you do have to remember that volunteers and security people and athletes and everything, they all count as well. Um, but having said that, I think that it's a good number for, for USA 7. I think their uh, their sales, they're really good on, on Saturday. They claimed what was close to a sellout on Saturday. I don't think they really sold out on Saturday. But uh, remember also... On Saturdays, they have a bunch of kids come in basically uh, you know, for a, a reduced ticket and a bunch of people, chaperones and stuff for free, things like that. Um, they're all counted as well. But it's, you know, they, they did very, very well. Friday, they still need to work on it, which is a funny thing about uh, Las Vegas is that in a way, some of the most important games are played on a Friday afternoon, Friday evening. People don't go to see them. Uh, their, their ticket sales there got to be somewhere around the ten to fifteen thousand dollar range, and uh, that's two thirds of pool play done, done and dusted. But you know, that's the way fans want to deal with it. That's the way fans want to deal with it. Now, let's jump ahead a week later to Vancouver. Um, and and the thing about Vancouver is that there's some significant differences between Vancouver and Vegas, and I think that's all good. Uh, Vancouver has a much nicer stadium. There's no doubt about that. It's a nicer stadium. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a new stadium. BC Place has been around for a long time. It's the home of the BC Lions uh, Canadian football team, and it's the home of the Vancouver Whitecaps soccer team. Both of those have been around for a while. But it's refurbished, uh, made nicer, basically, uh, there's a really nice concourse, every level, place to go. Uh, concessions are inexpensive, actually. Um, as an example, I went around to have a look at uh, beer prices there, and the the prices are somewhere around the most expensive. I think was I want to say nine fifty uh, Canadian, which is uh, less than eight dollars uh, American, which is Pretty good, and, and 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 there was an eight fifty beer too. So uh, and that that was uh, that fit in with the rest of what I saw as well. Uh, stadium prices are higher than you normally pay at a burger place for a burger. Um, you're often spending like seven, eight, nine dollars for a burger at at a stadium, and at uh, BC Place it was six fifty Canadian. So it was it was five dollars something. So those those are nice little things to have. Um the the attendance was was kind of fat free in that the lower bowl, we know the atten- the the capacity for the lower bowl is somewhere around 28,800 and they sold it out and and it was full and if you look on Golf Rugby Report there's a there's a video 
of the bowl final, uh, the, the last play for the bowl final where, where Canada kicked a conversion to win. Um, crazy ending because France shouldn't have been in that position at all. But anyway, very exciting, exciting for Canada. The place is full. You know it's full. And in fact, um, there were a few seats up on the upper deck that they did sell, a few thousand. So when they say, you know, they, saw, they said they sold out uh, extra 5,000. So they've, they're, they're working on uh, saying that they've got uh, oh, just over 60,000 attendants. I, I would have to say that's pretty close to the paid attendance. I can't vouch for all of it, but pretty close. Uh, BC Place also has luxury boxes, real luxury boxes, real proper stadium luxury boxes. Uh, Sam Boyd Stadium Vegas doesn't have them in quite the same way. They have a few, but not a lot. It's a it's a smaller group. Um, BC Place sold out theirs. Sam Boyd usually sells theirs out, um, but there's a lot more for BC Place. So. I talk about it in that sense because, um, in full disclosure, obviously, I used to work for the company that runs the USA 7s in Vegas. I don't work for them anymore. Um, You can read into that, how I feel about them, what you want. But um, I'll tell you when they do a good job. I'll tell you when it's right. But I'll also tell you when things are a little bit different. There's... When, when you're putting together an event and a big event, you got to look at all these little things, especially with sevens. What do you do about sevens when you go there and you have to be there all day? Or you can you leave? And if you leave, can you get back in? Which um, in Vancouver they let they let you in and out up until one o'clock on the day. But the other thing is, is there something to do once you leave? The problem with some of the big sevens tournaments we have in the United States. Um, and the CRC and the USA 7s are two of the big ones, is there's no place to go. And in fact, there's no place to go for the teams as well as the fans. That if you don't want to go into the small concourse and and order the limited menu, you don't have a lot to do. Now, in, in Vegas, true, they have the festival. Festival's fun. Listen to music. Go and get yourself some barbecue chicken or some... Uh, Kenyan samosas or whatever you want. That's that's really nice. I like that actually. Um, uh, but in 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 some places, really, it's there isn't a lot to do. Vancouver, you walk out two blocks away, you've got the city is right there. Four blocks away, you've got uh, in a, almost any direction, you have options to eat, to drink, to have fun um, at a reasonable price. It's right in the middle of the city. If you go to Vancouver with a young family, say, and let's say you're a rugby fan and your wife is kind of a can take it or leave it rugby fan and you got two small kids, you can go to Vancouver, right? And you can go to Science World, which is down the street from BC Place, one of the best science museums I've ever been to and I've been to a lot of them. Uh, You can go to the planetarium. You can go to Stanley Park. You can go to the beach, you can go to uh, and that's uh, the, you can go to a world class anthropology mu- museum. It doesn't sound like fun, but it's actually really cool at uh, at uh, UBC. There's a lot of stuff to do that is not just partying and strip clubs in Vancouver. In Vegas, much harder to do. So that's kind of what I'm thinking there. I think they were both extremely successful. You look at Vancouver and think their first year, sixty thousand people. USA's first year, less than 15. Partly, 
Vancouver's got to turn around and say thank you to USA Rugby and thank you to United World Sports for putting all that money and effort into promoting the idea of a World Series tournament um, because it's sort of on the backs of that work that Vancouver was a little bit successful. Okay, so with all of that, I spent some time in Vancouver talking to Alan Vansan, and he is the new CEO of Rugby Canada, having replaced Graham Brown after Graham Brown stepped down. Uh, and Alan Vansen uh, was in charge of the Pan Am Games in Toronto, Toronto 2015, and he was in charge of the 2010 Winter Olympics. Uh, he's not a rugby guy per se. He is an events guy. It's kind of interesting conversation I had with Alan Van Sen. So here's the audio for that. And I think I've got to explain one little bit of it right at the beginning. Uh, Alan Van Sen and, and I talk about the 2010 Olympics, uh, where I mentioned that I've got I had a tickets to a couple of events there. Uh, went to see some hockey, went to see some curling, but there was a ski cross event where there was a problem with the venue, and because of the problem with the venue. They made the call the day before to uh, basically refund the tickets for the people in a certain area that uh, it was dangerous to there, be there. They didn't have the facilities, so they just refunded the tickets and said, don't come. Um, I point that out to him. We talk a little bit about um, that kind of decision-making. So here it is. Your background is the Pan Am Games? Pan Am Games yeah. and the Olympic Games here in Vancouver That's in 2010. Right. Okay, I attended that. Um, that was fun. It was um, actually... I also had one of the tickets that you had to they had to refund because of the oh at uh, Cyprus yes yeah. which was a smart move yeah needed to do that uh, tough to calls that. to make but you've got to make them so exactly so uh, when you look at something and right in the middle of it you see it's not a good experience for the fans or it's dangerous or it's just not working instead of just crossing your fingers take care of it absolutely yeah you got to be proactive in that and and it's about a you know a fan experience and uh, yeah. Are you a, a rugby guy? I haven't been a rugby guy. I mean, I followed rugby a little bit through the World Cups and, and really quite uh, enjoyed the sport when I was first introduced to sevens in Guadalajara in 2011 for the Pan Am Games. And uh, certainly with our Canadian men's success there and how our women uh, have been so successful, when we planned the competition schedule for the Toronto Pan Am Games, we knew that had to be opening weekend because that was going to be the Monday morning story, our, our great rugby success, which it was. That's so. right. No, it was... Uh, was a big deal. And, it was. And while, I mean, BC's a big rugby place. Yes. Ontario, not so much. You know, you got to compete with so much. I, I don't know why, because the Leafs are terrible, but, uh, um, you know, you, you, you have to compete for that attention throughout the entire country. Yes. Is it a little bit more of a struggle sort of on the East? Well, I think one of the, the real opportunities, you're right. I mean, the sport, uh, sport is a competitive marketplace, certainly for getting youth into sport. Um, and that's one of the things that attracted me to working with Rugby Canada is the real opportunity around the values that rugby represents as a culture uh, and how I think that will really resonate with parents who are looking for programs to put their, their children in. And uh, it's a fantastic sport. Sevens is going to take off uh, out of this tournament in Canada and certainly around the world with Rio. I think uh, that interest will be high. So. Uh, speaking of Rio, what's the, the, the pressure on the men's team? to get that final spot? Well, of course, I know our men more than anybody in the Canadian rugby community want to get that spot. Yeah. Um, and I chatted with them this week after one of their training sessions, and 
know, I said my commitment to you guys is to do whatever we can as an organization. So you go to that tournament in Monaco at the end of June, and you're as prepared as you've ever been uh, to win. And uh, so you know, we'll all be, of course, as a country, rooting for them and and looking for. Uh, uh, a great result, and uh, I know they'll be putting their heart out there like they did this weekend. And a few breaks will go their way, and who knows? Yeah, a little we'll be unlucky there. this weekend. Exactly, uh, a little unlucky. But uh, you know, I talked to I talked to Phil Mack about it, and and you know, so many times athletes say, "Well, we're not thinking about that," but he said, "Oh, we're always thinking." Yep. And we want to demystify it. You know, don't want to suddenly be there going, "Yes." Oh no, here it is, do or die. Yeah. You know, yep. Think about it the whole time. Absolutely, and uh, you know, our our guys are a, a real group of experienced guys. They'll. They'll have some real great opportunities, you know, going back to the Pan Am Games, playing at uh, uh, BMO Field in Toronto during the Pan Am Games with that crowd. You know, if they uh, qualify and they get in, I know they reference that in their preparation coming into Vancouver and not having that added pressure and nervousness of playing in front of hometown and family and friends because they've been through it. That's right. So those are great opportunities, and this, again, will serve them well moving forward. Let's talk about this event. Um, what is the relationship between Rugby Canada Canada 7s. Sure. So Canada 7s is actually a, uh, a, a property, if you will, or, or uh, a part of Rugby Canada. So uh, we, uh, or as I'm learning, being new to the organization, but the organization uh, met with John Furlong and said, we need your help uh, to bring this here. How do we? How should we approach it that will resonate with the Vancouver community? And we, we created that brand, that entity, and, and of course it's been hugely successful, but this is a Rugby Canada property and, and something we're incredibly proud of, uh, and I think our rugby community and Canadians in general should be in, incredibly proud of. What were your expectations in terms of crowd, in terms of... Well, uh, having started, I mean, we knew that uh, as ticket sales went that they were going strong. I, I, this has absolutely exceeded our, our expectations, met our hopes, but uh, like any good organization, you're looking forward, so you're saying, how do we raise that bar? How do we fit 60,000 people in here? Um, right. And uh, that'll be the fun as we move forward with the series. Didn't really look overseas to push overseas. Not a lot. I, I I think that will be one of the stories coming out of this tournament. Is that opportunity for this to be a destination stop on the series, and uh, we'll have a lot of uh, international visitors, and that'll bring even more color to the well, fantastic you've, you've, crowds. You've got the city to sell it. Absolutely, the city is a great destination city, and, uh, uh, different from say Las Vegas or Hong Kong. Totally. Um, but special in its own way. Yep. And your venue, would you go, and would you be going back to businesses in the area just to say, what did you get out of it? You know, well, for sure. We'll work with, uh, you know, our partners in the city of Vancouver and the Hotel Association and all of our partners, Destination BC, everybody in terms of coming together and say, how do we expand on that fan experience? How do we make this city the destination? It's not just BC Play Stadium and the activations around it. It's how do we grab this as a city and, and that's great for business it's great for hotels great for tourism great for everybody when that happens so uh, we've got strong partnerships and look forward on building on those so. you've got use of this venue uh, a lot of people working on it a lot of technology went sort of extra the extra mile that cost money Making a profit on this? Well, it's been obviously successful, and and uh, we have to get through the the event, understand where where we've landed. But it's it's been uh, you know a success, and uh, it's going to be a, a net contributor to growing rugby in Canada. So uh, we're really pleased with how it's worked out. And again, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of work to make it successful. Our team has done a great job. Our volunteers have done a great job, and certainly wouldn't be there without the support of our funding partners and, and corporate partners. So. 
Thank you awesome. Very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Okay, so slight apologies there for the uh, the level of audio there for me. Uh, we use one microphone. I decided to make sure that he had it and you could hear him. My my questions, yeah, I think you can figure out my questions if you couldn't hear them. Uh, just asking him whether they were making any money. He didn't quite say that. He skirted around that because I think some of the stuff is fungible because Rugby Canada runs that property so they can use some volunteers and things like that. Um, but it is interesting to see something go from whole cloth made for, and and sell out and and hit pretty much every KPI that they wanted. Um the 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 one other thing I want to say about comparing these these venues is player welfare and uh when the players are comfortable, you know, they're pretty happy. Um and in some venues that we've seen, sometimes there's no place for a player to go just to get out of the sun or to, to get out of the cold, whatever it is, get something to eat and relax. It's really tough. Now, uh, I did talk to some of the players um, about the surface, artificial surface in BC Place, artificial surface now at Sam Boyd. Uh, they liked BC Place better because they covered it with water to make it slidey and it was a little bit more cushioned. So that is... Um, something to think about moving on to the actual usa national team now they were beat up going into this this uh performance in vancouver they didn't have zach test he was hurt they didn't have maka anufe he was hurt they didn't have will holder he was hurt they didn't have carlin isles because he was play, uh he was running in the uh, uh national indoor track championships. Uh, he finished fifth in the 60 meters. He's looking to see if maybe he can make the USA track team. Uh, wish him all the luck in the world. I don't think he's going to do it uh, because it's really, really, really hard to do that. Um, why do I say that? Well, you look at the the 15 athletes who participated in the semifinals, the national semifinals in outdoor 100 meters in 2015 in the United States, in the national championships. Of those 15, 12 of them had a faster time than Carlin Isles' best time in the 100. So he's got, a, he's got to be faster than, what is it, 9 people. No, excuse me, 11 people to really get a look. Probably uh, very, very difficult to do. But uh, even though there were injuries and everything, Mike Friday had said, Carlin, you can go, so let him go. Uh, Eagles go in uh, with a bunch of new guys. Seth Halliman, new guy. Nate Augsburg, not really a new guy, but he doesn't play a lot. Threaten Palamo is still working on his uh, sevens fitness. Pat Blair, been in and out and in and out. You see where I'm going with this. Uh, they really didn't use those subs much, and they you, they relied on their starters. So we, we saw Ben Pinkelman play a lot. We saw Garrett Bender play a lot. Danny Barrett play a lot. We saw Perry Baker play pretty much all, every every minute of every game until the final game of the weekend led the tournament in tries, by the way, um, made some big defensive efforts, uh, played great, played just terrifically well. It did superbly there because they asked him to, um, Falaniua, Madison Hughes played pretty much uh, close to every minute. Martin Iosefo also played a lot. He made the dream team, uh, player, the, uh, made the team of the tournament, um, and played great. 
they were a little bit up and down, but they weren't anywhere near as up and down as they were in Las Vegas. And and I think that the pieces are still coming together. I also think that Mike Friday looks at the standings and realizes that um, his team is is fifth, fifth or sixth, uh, depending on on which tournament you're looking at and and when. But they've been hovering up and down around there, and that's pretty great. And it's going to be uh, better than they've been in uh, a long time. And because of that, he's not going to sweat it. He, they're not going to catch the top four. The points are such that it, that's just not going to happen. Um, so he's going to manage his athletes. Uh, they went into the tournament in Vancouver, tied for fifth with uh, Argentina, uh, ahead of them on points difference, and then made it to the plate final, got 12 points in that, and Argentina didn't play very well, struggled, injuries, all kinds of issues for them. Uh, visa issues, they didn't show up in Vancouver until like Thursday night. Uh, so now they're six by, uh, the, the the difference is seven points. So the USA has had a great series uh, season already. They've been in the top eight every single tournament. Um, I think they played better in Vancouver than they did in Las Vegas, even though they didn't finish as high. Um, I think they were a little bit unlucky, a little bit, a couple of mistakes against Fiji, but uh, they should have beaten Fiji. Uh, they're so close to beating Fiji, um, and uh, it's kind of a funny rivalry there because rivalry between the coaches as well. But overall, I got to say that this is a team now, a program where we've got maybe sixteen going on twenty guys who can actually perform. Uh, I didn't mention Ben Leo Tagaga. He also pl- he also was there, hardly played, but he did score a try at the end. Uh, so even though you know they ended up like three and three, I'm I'm not really too bothered by that. I actually think they they did some good things. And if and I talked to Mike Friday about that too, um, uh, I, I don't think um, Friday agrees with me that they didn't do so well in Las Vegas. But uh, I think he does see the inconsistency sometimes. Uh, so I asked him what he thought about what he was seeing in, in Vancouver. Uh, and this is Mike Friday. Friday, uh, obviously, you don't, you don't want to lose. Yeah, disappointing. Yeah, disappointing losing overtime. And, and, you know, unfortunately, it's a game of small margins. And uh, we just come out on the wrong side there. I thought we'd done enough. I thought we deserved it. But we're just not quite getting over the line at the important time, you know. And uh, I can't fault the effort, the character of my players. Um, I, I think they've been a, a credit to each other, first and foremost, and then the people that they represent. So really, really pleased with the performance. Really, really pleased with the, with the character. We played with desire. We played with uh, nous. We played with enthusiasm. Um, but, we did, you know, again, little silly little mistakes at crucial times. But that's the nature of sevens. Unfortunately, it's claustrophobic out there, although there's a lot of space. It's difficult to breathe. You, you've talked a lot about consistency. It seems like it's been a more consistent weekend for you guys. And- well, yeah, you know, really. I mean, like all things, it's you know, it depends what you judge it on. I, I judge, I judge on the way that they play, not the results. I'm, you know, unfortunately, I wish we'd probably win more games if I just did that. But I, I'm pleased with, with where we are as a group and our consistency. Yes, we've got teething problems, but we're a, we're a young group still, still 15 months into the program. They don't have the rugby education that a lot of these super rugby players have between the ages of 12 and 18. So we're playing catch up, um, but they, they're working hard and they're, they're getting better. The characters where I want it, the behaviour 
behaviours are where I want it. We've just got to keep working hard on the little bits and pieces um, so that we can we can be better next time. Your restarts are generally really good. Opposing restarts. That's why you beat England, it seemed like. Uh... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're the, when we're on the money, we're the world's best. That's a, there's no doubt of that. And we've, we've let ourselves down in, in recent events on our, on, our, on our aerial ability at restart time. Um, and that's nothing to do with the kicking because the kicking's where it's needed to be. It's just been what we do off that kick. So, you know, we've worked hard on that and we need to keep working on hard on that. But unfortunately, there's so many so many things we have to keep working hard on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we just need to get better at everything. Um, we just need to keep grinding and keep moving forward. Can you speak a little bit about uh, Bender and Hinkleman? Because it seems like they've... You've yeah. got them out in the field all the whole time now. I have. They have yeah. to step up. Well, they have to step up. I mean, yeah. that's the strength and depth that we're trying to build in the squad, you know. And, you know, Bender especially is, is carrying a lot of knocks and bruises and he's going through a lot out there for the boys. And he's yeah. digging in every time, all the time. Pinky's growing in confidence. He's growing every time he plays the game. And, you know, it's good because we're just growing the depth of the, of the talent pool in the forwards because we need that. As you can see, injuries are attritional in this, in yeah. this World Series. Uh, and it's not about the, the first 12. It's about the 18 to 20 and uh, making sure that they're contributing you didn't use any subs in this game no I didn't I mean otherwise it would have been subs for sub state I mean it was they were in the game and it would have been a hard game to come excuse me to come into um, and you know I was looking and I didn't want to make it for the change sake and sometimes you can do that as a coach which is sometimes the wrong thing to do so it, it, it felt like the ebb and the flow was right and uh, you know I thought when Perry went over I thought we'd, 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 we'd done enough but you know they, they're, they're, they're wily old bunch of Fijians they, uh, they find a way yeah okay. good alright appreciate it talk, 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 okay well uh, now if you don't know now is a word that he used it's an English word meaning just sort of uh, smarts um, and it, and it comes from a Greek word, but it, it is uh, it, it is an, a real word that English people use. Uh, so they played with Naus. They they also played with character, and I think he's big on, on trying to uh, push the that the team has good character. The players have good character, are representing their the their country well. I think that's important. I think um, young players getting into the new 15s team. Uh, learning what it's like. The young players going into pro rugby have got to remember that that is important too. Behavior, character, how you represent yourselves, how you represent this sport. Everyone, you know, when when a sport is new and people are like, oh, rugby, what's that all about? Uh, you could be that first impression. You got to make sure that impression is good. Um, we talked, this conversation with Friday came after they'd lost in overtime to Fiji in a game that they probably should have won. Um, they had the opportunity to win. A couple of mistakes, though, um, and, it's, and it's just one of those issues with younger players um, and, and just trying to keep it all together. And I think that uh, one of the guys who's who's really good representative of the team is actually the captain, Madison Hughes. Yeah, he's got an English accent. He's an uh, you know of mixed parentage, growing up in England. I I, I can't really fault him for adopting the accent. Um, he's kind of losing it a little bit, and maybe we can beat it out of him. But uh, having been someone who went to school in England and, and transferred accents um, from school to home and back again, um, it can be a tough one. Anyway, we did talk to Madison Hughes. Um, the human run-on sentence. He's a great, uh, a great interview because he gives you a lot of materials. He talks very fast. Um, but here's some audio from Madison Hughes in Vancouver. After remember what's been a really intense few weeks: uh, Sydney and Wellington, then Vegas, then Vancouver. Injuries, everything. Trying to stay up near the top of the world. 
should be in a good place for tomorrow. I know Mike talked a lot about consistency. It seemed like uh, the first two games, especially when you were just a lot more consistent. Yeah, I mean, if you're consistent in all areas, uh, you're going to be in a good place. <laughs> right. Um, so so, just, so we, just like, we were just quite, we were just a bit off in a bunch of things, breakdown being yeah. one. I think just the lines we were running, the decision-making and stuff. So just a little bit off in, in a few areas, and they're a good team. They're going to penalize when you do that. Yeah. Uh, the first couple of games, I mean, like you had a good first half, a good second half, and it just seemed like things were a little bit better. Uh, yeah. yeah, we just didn't quite get going in the way we want to. Um, but I think tomorrow's a new day. Okay, crack it. Jeans should be fine. You, got, you, so. like, you know, you, you match up well with them. No, I you think we do. I mean, I think uh, we know those top teams. I quite enjoy playing Fiji. I think we, we, we do a good job kind of sticking to our plan um, and kind of moving moving around, keeping our shape, making them throw the offloads, perhaps one more offload than, than they should or they want to. Um, having said that, they're, they're a really good team. They've, they've been in good nick today, um, throwing out some good scores, so we know we're going to have to be at our best to beat them. Um, but yeah, we're excited for that matchup. I think in Vegas, we're disappointed we didn't pull that one out. So I think it's good to have another crack at them to tomorrow. How about that pass from set to Perry right at the end of the game? That was a really nice Yeah, Seth's doing well. Um, I think it's great to have these young kids come out uh, and show they, they show, show they can handle the circuit. I mean, I think that shows how much we've come as kind of a squad and, and as a country, the fact that 20-year-old kids can come out and immediately do pretty well. Um, and, and it kind of goes beyond the, the 12 or, or 15 that we've had playing in the last year and a half, and now they're kind of 20 to 25 who, who can do pretty well in the circuit. So that's good, good to see. Still a kid, too. <laughs> okay, and one more. Since we got Madison Hughes, as you said, I said he was still a kid too, right? Uh, had him. Uh, here we are on Rugby Matrix America, brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. You can talk about the kids, right? And and had him talking about some of the younger players uh, who are stepping up, um, and and the chances they got. Some of them were few and far between. They did something. It was really nice to see Seth Halliman get some uh, get a try, and 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 he looked like he could belong there. Um, he looked like somebody who could fill in Mako Inoufe's role. One of the guys who's moved into a role, a starting role, Ben Pinkelman. Remember, he's still an undergraduate at Colorado State University. Um, but, you know, he can do a lot of things. He can pass really nicely. He uh, he reads the game very well. He He's pretty strong in contact. He went through a lot. He was all iced up when I talked to him at the end of the tournament. Uh, and Ben Pinkelman... Uh, this this is what he has. Fine, okay. Ben Pinkelman. Hey, what for? Uh, you know, all you starters played a lot of minutes. Yeah. Um, were you guys sort of gassed by the end of this? Or, I mean, it's just, they played very well. I thought Samoa played very well in defense. I think we lost possession a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, we needed to keep it. And I think if we kept the ball more, it would have been a lot better. But uh, they were able to get the ball away from us and force us into some mistakes that we didn't want to make. They did a good job, like hitting really hard in those rocks. Uh, they came with two guys sometimes, yeah. and got a lot of force, so we needed to be a little stronger there. How has this journey been for you? It's been long. It's been good. You threw. I mean, to this week it seemed like you're thrown in the deep end. Like, go start, go play. It's kind of the climax yeah. so far. Cause it all started about a year and a half ago, and it's all been building up, getting more comfortable. And the last three tournaments have been getting more confident every game. And yeah. I think we had some unlucky injuries, but it really helped me be able to step up and show that I can do it and help my own confidence. Some nice passing. I, I wrote something about that, is that it's not just about being, you know, quote-unquote forward, but yeah. 
you pass well to the right. Not everybody does, you know. So have you been working on that? It's working on your open feet. All oh, we work on it a lot at camps, just like the basics and right. making sure we do all the stuff right and all the little things and passing and all the basic hand motions and all that stuff. But and it's also about being playing your role, knowing when to move it to the better space. Okay. And, uh, okay. Good. Should uh, should Bender have gone all the way? Like, I was shocked he got by this week. <laughs> I know, like, dude. But at that point, he's looking around like, please, somebody come help. <laughs> Which is the way it is. But um, overall, how, how does it feel? I mean, you feel like you're right there. I mean, Fiji, you've got to knock him off at one point, you know. I feel like we can compete against everyone for sure. Yeah. And we have a lot of guys, all the 18 to 20 back in San Diego, that can step in and compete too. Okay. So we're building depth, and it's going it's going real well building the Olympics. And we definitely can win these tournaments, and I think we can win a cup here uh, coming soon. All right. So. Okay, so we've seen uh, two tournaments here in North America. We've seen uh, them become very successful. Uh, can you imagine them? Imagine two tournaments, week one week after another, selling probably probably selling over a hundred thousand day individual day tickets. Um, uh, just uh, pretty amazing, really, considering where we were. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, ten years ago, that uh, we were talking about trying to break twenty thousand for a weekend. It wasn't that long ago that Dubai was bragging about getting over fifty thousand for a weekend. Uh, in their first shot, Vancouver got um, got over fifty thousand. Um, they're going to do very, very well. Uh, as for as for the uh, the two North American seven teams, I think he, uh, we touched on it a little bit with Alan Vanson. Um, Canada men's team, Canada's women's team is in the Olympics and is a shot for a medal and could win the whole thing. Definitely, I think it would be great for the game in North America. I think it would be great for the game in Canada for the women's game. Um, that's for sure. USA's women's team is in the Olympics. Right now, the way they're playing, some upheavals, some problems. I don't know um, if they can win a medal. I think they have to fix some things before they do that. They're not playing well, in my opinion. They're not playing terribly. They're just not playing the way they really can. Uh, the men's team, uh, the USA men's team is in the Olympics. They look good. And I'll talk about that in, in a couple of minutes. Uh, right now, it's the Canada men's team. They're not in. They have to go to Monaco, and they have to play in a beautiful city, August 9th to 11th. And these are the teams they have to, to get by. Uruguay, Chile, Mexico, Spain, Russia, Germany, Ireland, Hong Kong, South Korea, Sri Lanka, Tonga, Samoa, Zimbabwe, Morocco, and Tunisia. Now, Canada hasn't been playing well, but they actually did quite well in Canada. Uh, they, they lost one game. They lost only one game, but the they points difference dropped them down to the bowl uh, the bowl level, and they ended up running the table there and winning the bowl. They were lucky to win the bowl because France should have kicked the ball out at the end of the game, but they still did it. Um, I think it was a really good confidence boost for them. Canada, Russia, Samoa, definitely. Maybe Ireland, depending on a bunch of factors. Um, Ireland doesn't care about sevens, except around World Cup time, and then they piece together a team. I'm not sure if that's going to be enough, but um, 
those really those three or four teams they're the ones that are are thinking about really that that they're going to get into the olympics samoa has got to be your favorite russia could scare people and they're very very physical i think samoa is going to be your favorite team to win that but canada can do it uh it's it's big for them it's really important for them to get there um but it's going to be very very hard for the usa team i think that uh expectation expectations are pretty high they've won a tournament now in london uh they have the capability of winning at any tournament they're in uh they haven't though not right now um they're still running up against the south africa's fiji's new zealand those those three teams especially giving them problems and and i think that right now because they've been so solid in terms of no matter who they put on that team they're still getting to the top eight and they're still beating teams they should beat and still beating teams that maybe you don't think they should beat i think everybody's okay with that uh they're going to finish pretty high up in the world series i don't think there's any problem with thinking that they're probably finishing the top eight the fifth right now the chances are they'll stay fifth They've got four tournaments to go, but I think the chances are they're still fifth. And right now, Mike Friday is looking around thinking, I can run everybody into the ground and I can force certain guys who are carrying injuries to play so we can maybe win a tournament and maybe bump up and maybe finish fourth. Or I can save all these guys, rest everyone, and go to the Olympics. And that's what I think he's doing. I don't think he's he's sacrificing wins. I just think he's it's it's the payoff. You put in an extra you put in an extra twenty percent effort in terms of what kind of players you're picking and and what you're asking a player to do, and the payoff is either five percent better or a really bad injury. I don't think that's worth payoff now this is a a world cup final or uh this is staying in as a core team. Or this is a World Cup qualifier, or or, uh, or or Olympic qualifier, or it's the Olympic gold medal final. That's something else entirely. And I remember coaching one time, and and I, it was in the middle of the season, but we had a. I had to referee the game. In fact, and I was coaching a team, and we were playing our arch rivals, and and uh, one of my assistant coaches took one of our best players off the field because she had a, a, a an injury, not a serious injury, just sort of a mild injury. And he said, well, you know, I said, you know, we want to save her. And I looked and said, we're playing the best team in the league. What are we saving her for? In my opinion, the time was to let her stay on the field, tough it out. We can we can do okay without her for a couple of weeks if she needs to rest up. So you got to measure that thing as to when is the time to play hurt, when is the time to not play hurt. I think this season, especially considering the, the success the USA has had, is a time to not play hurt. And you're seeing that with Mike Friday's decision-making. Mako Nufe, very, kid gloves on that guy. Uh, Zach Test, yeah, you know, probably could have played in Vancouver. They sent him home. It's a smart move. Why? Because Mike Friday believes that the USA can win an Olympic medal. Mike Friday believes that... His team is up there with New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and Fiji. And those are the top four by a long shot. He believes the USA is right there. 
And I believe that is true also. And you look at the team that he probably is going to take to the Olympics. Because this is fun, right? This is fun. Let's, let's, let's do fantasy Olympic team, right? Uh, Madison Hughes is a no-brainer. Falau Niua, very good defender, by the way, as well as uh, sort of a field general. That's a no-brainer. Uh, right now, Martin Iosefo is a no-brainer. Perry Baker, Carlin Isles, you've got your guys there. Not a problem. Danny Barrett, Zach Test. I don't think anyone's going to say that they shouldn't be on the team. There are certain things that all of these guys, if you look at that, you pick it apart, you'd like them to do better. Um, I think some of the things that they needed to do better, they've learned and are doing better. But those guys, and that's seven of them, I say, yeah, put them on the team. Then I think that if he's healthy, Maka Anufe is a special player. And I think that uh, Garrett Bender has done enough through his heart and his, uh, his uh, dedication that he's got to be on that team. That's nine. So then how do you fill out those last three positions? You're probably looking at a halfback type. You're probably looking at somebody who can, a couple of people who could be like crossovers. Um, you're thinking about Martin Iosefo. You're thinking about Ben Pinkelman and what he's done so far. You're thinking about people like Will Holder, who can play fly. <laughs> yeah, Will Holder can play literally any position on the team. Literally any position he'd do. And he'd be a little slow for a wing, a little bit gawky for a uh, uh, for a scrum half, but he can play any position on a sevens team. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Now, of course, he's like, Goff, when are you going to say the names? I'll say the names now. Number one, Chris Wiles. So Chris Wiles is retired from International 15s from the Eagles. He has specifically said he wants to be on the Olympic team. He played in the Olympic qualifiers, uh, and and I think that he did really well, actually. He stepped right in and played. His rugby brain is pretty well developed. Uh, I'd say Chris Wiles. Chris Wiles can play virtually anywhere as well on the sevens team. He can slot in. I don't, I don't know if he starts every game, but you've got to have him on there. His leadership alone is crucial. And the other guy is Nate Ebner. Now, here's the thing about Nate Ebner. He has a lot of work to do to be an international sevens player. The, the, the fitness requirements for a football player, especially a football player who doesn't play a lot, and really, I mean, he, he doesn't play a lot, um, are very different than that of a sevens player. Now, now if, if, if we were talking about a guy who's like a starting cornerback, corner with a C, not quarterback with a Q, starting cornerback for uh, a team, then I would say, you know, maybe we're talking about the kind of fitness levels we want because a cornerback is working on covering a pass route every single play, running full tilt, changing directions, making tackles, jumping up in the air, recovering and then going to do that play again. I think that kind of athlete could probably turn around and go play sevens without 
too much extra work on the fitness side. Um, Ebner, defensive back who plays on special teams, uh, a, a, a character guy, a heart guy. We love Nate Ebner, but he's bigger than he needs to be right now. As a football player, he, he's bigger than he needs to be as a, as a rugby player. He needs to stretch out those muscles. He needs to get that acceleration going. And he needs to get that fitness going that, that you know, when you're in special teams, boy, you go all out completely, but it's only a few seconds. Sometimes nothing happens because it's ball's kicked out of the back of the end zone and there's nothing. But if there is a play going on, yeah, very, very intense, then it stops. Then you go to the sideline. And you take a rest. He knows he can't do that. He's a rugby guy. And I think Nate Ebner's rugby understanding is is excellent. Um, I think the heart that he shows as a player is excellent. I think that uh, when he was trying to make um, make the NFL, you know, he was, he was running up and down stairs in the parking garage when it was snowing in Ohio, he, um, he puts in a great deal of personal effort. He will work as hard as possible. If he makes that, if he makes the transition, if his agility and his fitness are there, I put him in there. The other guy I didn't mention was Threaten Palamo. I love Threaten Palamo. Um, uh, halfback, I love Nate Augsburger, and I think he's probably going to be in there. Probably going to be Augsburger. So then you've got a, you've got possibly some argument. Maybe you argue about Garrett Bender, Threaten Palamo, Nate Ebner. I don't know. Chris Wiles, I have a hard time keeping him out of that team. So I guess maybe you're looking at Hughes, New Acefo, uh, Baker, Isles, Barrett, Test, Anufe, Bender, Augsburger, Wiles, Ebner. But maybe Palamo goes in for one of those guys. Maybe one of those guys gets hurt. Maybe Pinkelman goes in for one of those guys. I don't know. But that's what you're going to be looking at. And is that a team that could win an Olympic gold medal? Is that a team that if you took care of it and you put treated it with kid gloves and you held on to it and you, and you didn't overuse guys and you didn't put Test and Niua on the 15s team in the in June, which would be a waste of time, uh, could they win an Olympic gold medal? Well, here it is, Rugby Matrix America, brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. This is Alex Goff reminding you to go to Golf Rugby Report to check out all the the Episodes of Rugged Matrix America, go to RuggedMatrix.com, check out uh, the Rugged Matrix International Show, check out everything I write on Golf Rugby Report. And here I am telling you, yes, they can win an Olympic medal. I don't know about gold, but they can win a medal, and how great would that be? Thanks for listening.